I hope you have your Bible this morning. The fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. John, chapter 4. Easy to find over in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three weeks ago, we uh, started uh, some messages entitled, Encountering God in Unexpected Places and in Unexpected Ways. I call it a divine interruption. You're just going on with your life, and all of a sudden, you, you have an unexpected encounter with God. In an unexpected way, and God just divinely interrupts your life. So today, we're going to bring the third message on this matter of how when you least expect it, God will break into your life. And he will speak to you. He will, cry, he will appeal to you. And what you need to do is when that occurs, you need to respond to that unexpected encounter with God. You know, the truth of the Bible is, you're not seeking God, but God is seeking you. You're not looking for God, but I'm going to tell you something. God is looking for you. Just remember when Adam sinned, he really messed up, Adam did. He knew he was guilty, so he hid behind a bush. But God came looking for Adam and said, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was, but he wanted Adam to know that he was seeking him. You know, the Bible says... After, after Jesus had gone to the home of Zacchaeus, who was a publican and a sinner, that Zacchaeus trusted Jesus as his Savior. And as Jesus left that house, listen to what he said. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. I'm telling you, God is seeking you. God is looking for you, you're going to encounter him in an unexpected way and an unexpected place. We looked at Jacob, how Jacob was on the way to Haran to, he was running from Esau who was going to kill him, Jacob was, and he was going to get his wife who would be Rachel. And God opened heaven and there was a ladder and Jacob had an encounter with God. He wasn't expecting it. He didn't even have an idea and God changed his life. Then we remember, we've looked at the two disciples who were walking down the road to Emmaus after Jesus had been crucified and laid in Joseph's tomb. And we remember how as they were walking down the road to Emmaus, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, Jesus came and started walking with them. They did not know who he was. Their eyes were restrained, the Bible says. But after a little while, Jesus opened their eyes and they realized that Jesus wasn't in a tomb dead, that he was alive. They had an unexpected encounter with God that changed their life. Then we looked at Jonah. Jonah knew exactly what God wanted him to do, knew exactly where God wanted him to go. But Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And instead of going to Nineveh, like God said, he took off in the other direction. But guess what? God prepared a storm. And a great fish. And they threw Jonah overboard. And the fish swallowed Jonah. And in the belly of a great fish, 
Jonah had an encounter with God. And it absolutely changed his life. Then we looked at the Philippian jailer. There was an earthquake and he thought the prisoners were gone. And then all of a sudden Paul, saw, Paul spoke to him out of the prison and said, Listen, do yourself no harm. We're here. And that Philippian jailer thought he was about to take his life. He thought it was over for him. But he had an encounter with God. And he said, Well, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Then last week we had one of the most dramatic encounters with God anybody's ever had. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a blasphemer. He hated Christians. He was on the way to Damascus to put the Christians in jail and to take them back to Rome. But on the road to Damascus, a light shone from heaven. And Jesus Christ spoke to Saul of Tarsus and said, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul fell to his knees and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And you know the rest of the story. He was blind for three days. But how that Jesus Christ transformed the life of Saul of Tarsus. And he became Paul the Apostle. And 13 books of our New Testament were written by him. All of these people had an unexpected encounter with God. And God changed their lives. Now today, in John chapter 4, and in two passages in Luke, we're going to look at three people. We're going to look at a woman who had an encounter with God who had a marriage problem. Then we're going to look at a father who had a problem with his son and had an unusual encounter with God. And then we're going to look at a woman whose son had died and she was on the way to the cemetery. And she had an encounter with Jesus that absolutely changed her life. Look at John chapter 4. We all know this uh, story. We remember it by the words, the woman at the well. And man, it's such a familiar story, but I am telling you, it is absolutely loaded with truth. All right, look down at verse 4 of John chapter 4. But he needed to go through Samaria, Jesus. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, and thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus had gone to Samaria, he'd gone to Sychar, and now he was tired, and he sat down by the well that Jacob's well. He was just sitting there. The disciples had gone to town to get some food. And a woman of, it said, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was the sixth hour. Now get this. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. You know, she went there every day. She went that same well every day. She went there to get some water. And here's Jesus sitting by the well. Now, Jesus is Jewish, and she's a Samaritan. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink? It startled the woman because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Oh, no. You're talking about prejudice. So listen to what she said. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, it says in verse 7. Jesus said, give me a drink. Then the woman, in verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me who is a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now listen to what Jesus said to her. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and, it, and he, who, he who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, 
you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Can you imagine? This woman was startled that Jesus had even spoke to her. He said, well, I'm going to tell you something. If you knew who I was, you would have asked, and I would have given you living water. Now, this woman had been to that well many times. But all of a sudden, there's an unexpected encounter with God. There's a divine interruption in her life. And Jesus said, I I mean, you ought to ask, and I would give you living water. Then the woman said to him in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How then can you give me that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Then in verse 13 of John 4, Jesus says, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but the water that I, who drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, you can drink this water, you're going to be thirsty, but man, when you drink the living water that I'm going to give you, it is going to satisfy you, and you're never going to to thirst again. Then the woman said to him in verse 15, give me this water, give it to me, that I may not thirst and not come here to draw. See, she didn't get it. Jesus was talking about living water. He was talking about spiritual water. She still, all she could think about was earthly water. Well, man, if he can give me some water that I won't ever thirst again, that means I won't ever have to come back to this well again. But see, Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was talking about something far greater than earthly water. He was talking about spiritual water that would satisfy the deepest needs of her heart. And then it gets real interesting. I want you to look at the next verse. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, now wait a minute. It's been all about water. She was shocked that Jesus, a Jew, was talking to her Samaritan. She knew it was something unusual going on because he was talking about living water. But all of a sudden, Jesus said, tell you what you do. Go call your husband, and you come here. Now, listen to what she says. It says, the woman answered in verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, "You you have well said that you have no husband. Now, get this. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have... The one you have now, the one you're living with, is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Jesus said to her, you know, we're talking about spiritual things. Do me a favor. Go call your husband. She said, I don't have one. Then Jesus just absolutely blew her away. No, I know you don't. He said, you've had five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Well, this woman said, she realized immediately she was in the presence of, of, of God. And so she said, <clears throat> uh, then the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then what she does is this, and I've seen this a thousand times. She wants to get off the subject of her husband's. And so she starts saying, well, you know, the, 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 this group of people say we ought to worship in this mountain. And this other group says we ought to worship in this mountain. See, she did not want to deal with the issue of her broken marriages. She didn't want to deal with it. So immediately she got the subject off that. Said, well now, well, now I just need to know this. Who's right? Do we worship in this mountain or do we worship in that mountain? And Jesus answered and said, listen, the time is coming. It's not where you worship. It's how you worship. We're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> I got to thinking about this woman. She had no idea that she had encountered God at the well that day. Because I'm going to tell you about this woman. She was an outcast. 
five husbands living with a man who wasn't her husband. It was no coincidence that she went to the well in the middle of the day. Everybody else went to the well in the morning. All the women of the city would go to the well in the morning to get their water. But no, she went in the middle of the day. Why? Because I'm going to tell you something. She was an outcast. They would have nothing to do with her. So she goes in the middle of the day. And here Jesus confronts her with the fact, listen, you've, you've had some real tough times in your life. And he wanted to get to the heart of her problem, of her need for living water and her need for God. Well, they talk on a little bit. And then there's a very interesting thing in this chapter. I want you to listen to this. Then, then the woman left her water pot and went to the city and said to the men, underscore those words, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? I, you know why she didn't go tell the women? They wouldn't let her talk to him. So all she knew to do was I've just encountered someone who told me everything that I ever did. And by the way, she had said to Jesus, well, I know the Messiah's coming. I know he's coming. I know he's coming. And, 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 and it's down in uh, verse, 25, verse 25. Then the woman said to him, I know the Messiah's coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am I who speaks to you. Am he? You're talking to the Messiah. Wow. She said, I know he's coming. This Samaritan woman knew. She had heard about the fact. And no, he's coming. Jesus said, you're talking to him. So she runs back to the city and tells the men, you need to come out here to the well. There's somebody out there that's told me everything I ever did. There are a lot of people that encounter God in unexpected ways in troubled marriages. Oh, yes. I, I, I really believe over the years that I've been in the ministry, people would show up at church that I did not know, had never had any, any encounter with. And after I got to know a little bit about them, I said, well, now why did you come? I mean, why did you, you come today? Why are you here? And, and it wouldn't be made off the first time they came. It may be the second time or the third time. But I am telling you, there were hundreds of times they'd say, well, my marriage is in trouble. I said, tell me about, well, we're separated, and we're in a hard place, and I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do, and a lot of times they may have been the guilty party, but I just knew I needed God, and so in the midst of a marriage that was on the rocks, they came looking for Jesus. A few weeks ago, I happened to, on Memorial Day weekend, preached in Memphis, Tennessee, and on Sunday night after the service was over, I was standing back at the back, and I had two men come up to me. And I mean, I was a guest preacher. One of them came up to me and said, I want you to pray for me. I said, why? He said, my wife left me this week for another man. I, I bet he hadn't been in church, and I don't know when. But he was in church that day because he knew that if God didn't help him, it was over. See, he had a troubled marriage, and in that he had an encounter with God. And then the next one was kind of humorous. I, uh, I was standing there, and I had taken some CDs with me, and there was a CD that I had called Marriages for a Lifetime. And this heavyset guy, and I guarantee you he hadn't been to church in a long time, he came up to me, and he had this CD and said, well, I got me one of these. I said, well, what is it? He said, Marriages for a Lifetime. He said, I said, do you need that? He said, my marriage is underwater. 
It's in a deep hole. You see, he was encountering God unexpectedly in the midst of a troubled marriage. You know, I want to say to you, sometimes when it looks the darkest, sometimes when you're out of answers, I mean, God has not caused it, but God has allowed it, and it may be by your own choices or whatever, but what you need to do is this. When everything that's nailed down has come loose, and when everything that in your life seems to be stable is shaken, and you're at a point that you really don't know which way to turn, don't you be surprised that you have an encounter with Jesus at the well. And he goes right to the heart of your problem. And he gives you an opportunity to let him help you. And so you can have living water. So you will not be living in your own power and in your own strength. I'm telling you, this woman went back to town and she told them they all came out and they believed in Jesus. And they asked Jesus to stay for two days. And so for two days... He was in Samaria, and this is what they said to the woman before Jesus left. We, we believed in him by what you said, but now we spent two days with Jesus, and we know this is truly the Son of God. And many in the city believed in Christ. Many times people have an unexpected encounter with God in the midst of a troubled marriage. I got to thinking, I wonder why she had five husbands. Either she just didn't know how to pick a man, <laughs> or she had a lot of baggage. You know, there are people who think that when you say, I do, everything changes and you have no baggage. Can I make a statement? <laughs> no, when you say, I do, you just find out what you did. That's all that you did. <laughs> well, you're not the man I married. He says, well, you ain't the woman I married. <laughs> Marriage has a lot of surprises, doesn't it? No perfect fiancés or husbands or wives. But then there's another one. That was an encounter of a woman who had a troubled marriage, and she met Jesus in it, and she was never the change the same again. I've watched people meet Jesus just like that, and God changes their lives. But then this is very interesting. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look at a man who had a troubled son. And, 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 and this, this is a, a pretty disturbing story, I'm telling you. It'll raise a lot of questions in your mind, and I will answer some of them, but I certainly won't answer all of them. But you've got to understand what is going on in, in, in Luke chapter 9, and it's over in verse 37. In Luke 9, Jesus and three, uh, it was Jesus, it was Moses, and I forgot the other two who were on the... Uh, uh, Mount of Transfiguration with him. I think it was Moses and Elijah and somebody else. But that's, that's not. But he had been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they had seen Jesus. And they said, "Let's just stay up here." Man, they had seen Jesus in his transfigured glory. They'd seen Jesus in all of his power and majesty. And they said, "Let's build three tabernacles here, and let's stay here. We don't want to go back down there in the valley. This is God's. This is the presence of God. This is the glory of God. We've moved into eternity. Let's don't go back down there." But Jesus said, "No, we're going to go back." And they just got back down. After that great experience of seeing Jesus glorified before them. And look at verse 37 of Luke 9. Now it happened on the next day when he had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Now here's a man that's fixed to encounter, have an encounter with Jesus. 
in an unexpected way. Suddenly, a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit, a demonic spirit, seizes him and suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth. And when it departs from him, with great difficulty, bruising him. I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Bring your son here. Jesus said that man. You notice he cried out to Jesus about his son. (laughs) Out of the multitude. He said, here's my chance. He cried out to Jesus out of the multitude about his son. And Jesus said, well, bring your son. Bring him here to me. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, gave him back to his father. They were all amazed at the majesty of God. While everyone marveled, they were all amazed at the majesty of God. Now, the first question is, what is a child doing with the demon spirit. Well, it doesn't tell us how old this person was. I don't think it was a nine-year-old. Probably, maybe could be in his late teens. Doesn't matter. But there was one thing for sure. That this was not a physical malady. And there are people, listen to me carefully, who have convulsions. There are people who have seizures that are a physical malady and has absolutely nothing to do with demonic spirits. So don't you get this idea that if a person has a convulsion or a seizure, well, no, no, it's oftentimes, it's epi- it could be anything, any type of physical illness. You understand? But in this case, it was obvious that this son had a demon spirit that would enter him, seize him, convulse him, then leave him bruised, and there was nothing nobody could do for him. So the father cried out to Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You know when you, a lot of times you encounter God in an unexpected way? You know how oftentimes you encountered God when you were least looking for him? When all of a sudden you have trouble with a son or you have trouble with a daughter or you have trouble with a grandson or you have trouble with a granddaughter and all of a sudden you look at them and It's not that they're, quote, unquote, demonized. They could be, but most likely not. But, you know, they're out of control. They're making wrong decisions. They're running with the wrong crowd. They're going in the wrong direction. And you know that whatever a person sows, they weep. You also know that Satan is a destroyer. And that he has no respect of persons. He will steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't matter if they're 14 or it doesn't matter if they're 40. And all of a sudden, you feel so helpless when you're thinking about, you know, a troubled son. And you see how the enemy is destroying them. And you, 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 what do you do? You do like that father did. You cry out to God. You cry out to Jesus. Would you help my son? I'm telling you right now. Oftentimes... 
what the devil has meant for harm. I'm going to destroy your son or your daughter or your granddaughter. I'm going to do that. And someday he comes after them. I'm telling you. And we try to warn them, but sometimes they don't listen. But I guarantee you, we can cry out to God. And we can have an encounter with God. We can have an encounter with Jesus in an unexpected way that will absolutely change our lives. And I'm going to tell you what I love about this story. That Jesus touched the Son and delivered him and gave him back to his Father. That son or daughter that you may have given up on, you keep crying out to Jesus. He, he can give her or him back to you as only he can. It may be that granddaughter or grandson. And you, you, you know that, hey, the devil plays for keeps. He destroys people. But you just cry out Jesus like that man did in the multitude. And he didn't know what kind of encounter with God he would have. It was an unexpected encounter when Jesus came and set that son free. I, I didn't know the mission of hope was going to be here today. But as I was studying oh, this this morning and praying over it. Now I'm just telling you God told me to do this. So I'm, not, I'm just telling you what he told me. I said, you know, today, how do teenagers, or how do young adults, or how do adults get to the point that they're demonized? Now, I didn't say that, you know, this uh, thing, demon-possessed, that verse, those words are not even in the Bible. Well, he was a demon. We know people were demonized. The guy that Jesus cast the demons out and went into the pigs and they ran in the water. And the fellow in the Gadarenes, Jesus cast. We see all through the Bible where Jesus Christ dealt with those who had demonic spirits. And there can be demonic harassment, demonic oppression, and there can be demonic control. There's just no question about it. But I'm going to tell you something. And, And you've got to believe me. Please do not dismiss what I'm fixing to tell you. Please don't do it. There's a word in the Bible called sorcery. And for years, what is a sorcerer? And what is sorcery? What is it? Do you know what the word in the Greek for sorcery is? It is the Greek word pharmakia from which we get our word pharmacy. And a sorcerer or one who participated in sorcery was a person who used drugs or potions. And that is exactly what sorcery is. And I am telling you one of the main avenues, and I'm not saying demon-possessed. I'm saying one of the main ways people get demonized or controlled is they open up their mind and themselves to demonic spirits when they alter their minds, whether it's crystal meth, whether it's uh, uh, crack, whether it's cocaine, whether it's alcohol, doesn't matter. They open their mind up and they lose control. They are not in control. They may go in and shoot a person and kill them for $50 that they can steal for them. They may go rob somewhere knowing that they're going to get caught. They never get away and they just go on. Why? Because they're out of control. And I do I really believe that they're being driven by demons to do those things which are totally insane and make no sense. It's called sorcery. And it's a plague in this nation. 
My Lord, every day I see where three or four people have killed somebody and now they're going to go to jail for the rest of their life for $50 to get another shot of crystal meth. God, have mercy on this nation. You do not play around with the devil. He is a defeated foe. He's under the feet of Jesus. But you open yourself up to him and you give him ground and he will take it and he will destroy you. And it's not God's will and he does not, God does not want that to happen. But I am telling you, I've seen it over and over again. And somebody says, well, I can fool around with it and it won't affect me. The moment you alter your mind, the moment you lose control of your mind, the enemy rushes in like a foul spirit and takes control of it. And you say, why in the world did I do that? How did I ever get? You steal from your own family. Take money out of your father or mother's billfold. You just steal. Why? You're out of control. There was a man who had a son. But he cried out to Jesus. And in the midst of crying out for his son, he had an encounter with Jesus. And his son had an encounter with Jesus. And his life was changed. But there's one other story I want to show you. It's about the woman who had an unexpected encounter with Jesus at the well in the midst of troubled marriages. Then there was the man who had a troubled son and who encountered Jesus as he cried out for his son. But then there's another unusual one. And this was really a divine interruption. Look at the seventh chapter of the book of Luke. This is the last one. It's about a widow lady whose son had died. And she's on the way to the cemetery. And all of a sudden, Jesus interrupts the funeral procession. And this woman and all around her have an encounter with God that changes their life. We find it in... Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Listen to this. And it happened, the day, it happened the day after that, that he went into the city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. So it was Jesus, his disciples, and a large crowd. When he came near the gate of the city of Nain, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So here's a widow lady carrying her only son to bury him, and she's overtaken with grief. She's overwhelmed with grief. So now here's a lady who's going to have an encounter with God in the midst of overwhelming grief. When the Lord saw her, it says in verse 13, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Well, I know she was saying, that's easy for you to say, but this is my only son. It's easy for you to tell me not to weep. He said, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he that was dead Set up. <laughs> That'll shake you up. <laughs> that was no longer an unusual funeral. I can, can you imagine <laughs> all the people? Can you imagine the pallbearers, 
They, I think they passed out, just to be honest with you. He just sat up and began to talk. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he was dead, sat up and began to speak. And he presented to him, presented him to his mother. Back with that troubled son, he gave him to his daddy. And here, the dead son, he gave him back to his mother. And then fear came upon all. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen up among us. And God has visited his people. You know, oftentimes in the midst of great grief, great grief, that's when God comes to us and we have an encounter. We may be grieving over a lot of things. We may be grieving over a, the unexpected death of someone we love. It may be the expected death of someone we love. But it doesn't matter. We're grieving. We're grieving. And all of a sudden, in the midst of our grief, God will come to us, just like Jesus did to this woman, and God will come to us, and he'll speak to us in the midst of our grief, and we'll find have an encounter with God that brings us to a place of peace that we've never had before. And we don't understand how God could bring us to that place. What we need to do is this. When it seems to be the darkest, whether it's grieving over the death of a loved one or grieving over when it seems to be the darkest, you've got to remember that Jesus is the light that shone into the darkness to give men and women light. And I have many times seen, especially when it was a, a child or a young person, an unexpected death, oftentimes I've seen an entire family encounter God and turn to God instead of away from God in the midst of the tragedy. I can just remember some right now in my mind that in the situation which was difficult, they found peace and hope and strength to deal with it, their grief in an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed their lives. You know, you just may be going on your way. Business as usual, I'm just living my life, Brother Fred. But I'm telling you something. You may not be seeking God, but he's seeking you. You may not be looking for God, but he's looking for you. And don't you be surprised because he loves you so much. And don't you be surprised because people are praying for you. Don't you be surprised that all of a sudden you have an unexpected encounter with God. In an unexpected way. And the question is, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? I hope you'll respond with repentance where you need to repent. God, I've sinned. I deserve your judgment, but God, I repent. I'm a sinner, but I believe that you're God of grace, and I believe Jesus died for me and shed his blood, and I believe that he can forgive me and save me. I, I pray that you'll respond like Paul, Saul, the blasphemer, did. God, what would you have me to do, Lord? See, it's not that you're not going to encounter him. I'm telling you, people are praying for you, and God loves you, and, and, and he's going to interrupt you whether you like it or not. Now, you can refuse him, but every time you refuse him, your heart gets a little harder. But I promise you that encounter with God is because how much he loves you. And he does not want you to continue to go down the road that you're going. And that's why God will, you'll encounter him.
And I'm just going to pray you'll respond. It may be that you're saved, but you've just gotten away from God. And, and other things have taken preeminence over Jesus. And you're just going through the motions. And God comes to you as one of his children. And you encounter him in an unexpected way. Well, listen, it's because he loves you. And it's because he wants to draw you back to himself. That's, just, that's what it's all about. Nothing catches God by surprise. There's no panic in heaven over what you encounter. But how God can use that to draw you to himself. And I just pray that you'll respond like Jacob did. God is in this place. Like Jonah did. God, I've sinned and I repent and I will go to Nineveh. I, I'm just praying that we'll respond to that encounter with God and let God change our lives. Let him change our lives. Because that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save those that are lost.